Hello everyone, and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. I'm James Taylor, and in part one of this week's episode, I'll be reviewing six games from round 10 of J2. In part two, John Steele has the other five games, and then in part three, we'll take a closer look at a few of the matches with implications at both ends of the table. After that, Mike Innes has got a job on his hands to try to round up all the action from match day seven of J3 in JTalk Short Corner. Sunday's action started with Vanfare Kofu against Tochigi SC. Kofu's Motoki Hasegawa had the best chance of the first half, but his glancing header from a Kazushi Mitsuhiro cross went across the face of the goal. The only goal of the game came in the 78th minute, and it was for Kofu, Peter Utaka, with a powerful looping header from a high corner. That win leaves Kofu in 7th outside the playoffs on goal difference, while Tochigi are 19th, 3 points clear of relegation, having offered very little going forward in this game. Next up, high-flying but low-scoring Blaublitz Akita took on an Omiya Ardija side that was yet to win away from home. Takamitz Tomiyama put Omiya ahead with 35 minutes played. He got in front of the defender to head in Shuto Okaniwa's cross from about 15 yards. Akita drew level on the hour in fortunate circumstances as a corner bounced in of Omiya defender Niki Urakami. And in the 84th minute, a miracle. Akita scored a second. Shota Aoki with a few stepovers on the left side of the Omiya area before teeing up Hiroto Morooka to send a side-footed shot in off the crossbar from just inside the area. 2-1 the final score, the first time Akita have scored twice in a game this season. They are fourth, while Omiya's fruitless travels see them drop one place to 15th. There was another low-scoring game at the Fukuda Denshi Arena, where struggling Jeff United Chiba welcomed third-place Tokyo Verdi. The home side edged it, thanks to a 29th-minute goal from Keita Buanika. Daisuke Suzuki won the ball with a sly tackle in midfield and played it forward to Tomoya Miki. Miki dribbled to the edge of the area and shot, but the weak effort was straight at Matthias, who let a soft rebound go for Buanika to smash in from close. Byron Vasquez had Verdi's best chance on a counter-attack, but Shota Arai saved well. That was in the first half. There wasn't much in the second half. Verdi stayed third, three points off the automatic promotion places, while Jeff's first win since the opening day lifts them out of the relegation zone and three points clear of Monterio Yamagata, whose eighth consecutive loss came at home to Zuegen Kanazawa. Tiago Alves and Della Torres started this one on the bench for Yamagata, while Kanazawa restored nine of the players who were rested for the midweek win over Iwaki, with defenders Honoya Shoji and Masaya Kojima keeping their places. The home side started on the front foot, and Zegen keeper Yuto Shirai had to make a good save from Shunpei Naruse with just 29 seconds played. Aside from that, the first half chances went to Kanazawa, with Masamichi Hayashi, Takayoshi Ishihara, and Junior Kato all missing the target. Five minutes into the second half, Yoshiki Fujimoto had a shot deflected just wide for Yamagata, and in the 57th minute, the home side thought they'd taken the lead when Keisuke Nishimura headed in a corner. However, after quite a lot of celebrating, the goal was disallowed for a foul on Shirai. Replay showed, though, that Shirai actually pulled the opponent into him and fell over. Tough for Yamagata, when your luck's out, these things go against you, and to rub salt into the wound, Junior Kato scored for Kanazawa four minutes later. Yuki Kajiura kept the ball on the left side of the Yamagata area despite slipping and managed to pass to Leo Baya, whose cross-come shot was parried by the goalie Masaki Goto onto Kato's head. 
Yamagata threw on the big guns, but they couldn't muster much in the way of efforts on target, and it ended 1-0 to Kanazawa, who rise to 8th with their 5th win in 6 and 3rd clean sheet in 4. Yamagata's bad run seems endless. They're now 21st. Vigata Sendai and Fajiano Okayama met at the Yurtek Stadium. Sendai went in front after 10 minutes when Motohiko Nakajima capitalised on two defensive errors. First, a misplaced pass by Ryosuke Kawano, then an overhit back pass by Yuji Wakasa that keeper Daiki Hotta had to stretch to prevent from being an own goal, but only succeeded in setting up nicely for Nakajima to run onto and nutmeg him in the act of scoring. Okayama drew level three minutes into the second half, Kodai Sano in plenty of space and having the time to pick his spot, which he did perfectly, into the bottom left corner. Hotta saved well from Kim Tae-hyun on 67 minutes, and then Akihiro Hayashi saved well from Sano at the other end, so this one ended 1-1. These teams are in 11th and 12th, with Okayama ahead of Sendai on goal difference, despite being on a run of five draws and six games without a win. Iwaki FC recovered from their midweek exertions against Kanazawa to beat Zaspa Kasatsugunma thanks to two goals from Ryo Arita. The first came in the sixth minute, a pass played in Kaina Tanimura and he squared to Arita for a tap-in. The second came three minutes after half-time. A similar pass found Tanimura who again centred for Arita, this time somewhat fortunate that his toe poke slipped under the keeper. Gunma pulled one back in the 64th minute, a powerful header from Motoki Nagakura made more powerful by the helpful shove in the back he received from his marker. 2-1 the final score, so Gunma dropped to 6th and Iwaki rise to 16th. That's all from me. Next, John has the rest of Sunday's games for you. Thanks for that, James. Hi everyone, John Steele here to round up the rest of the J2 action from round 10. Let's start at the top of the table. At the big game at Nozita, the clash of the top two sides in the league, when Machida's way, it finished. Machida's Elvia 3, Oita Trinita 1. Uh, Machida pummeled Oita with three goals in the first half here, meaning that they leapfrog Oita and go into first place themselves. Machida were on their way thanks to a goal from a brilliantly designed corner routine midway through the first half. From a short corner, Hijiri Onaga played in Yu Hirakawa on the right-hand side of the Oita penalty area and he cut the ball back for Shunta Araki to sweep in from about 12 yards. About 10 minutes later, Oita unfortunately pressed the self-destruct button with their centre-back Katsunori Uebisu making a bad decision to dribble with the ball inside his own penalty area and an even worse decision to pass the ball straight to Araki and the inform attacker made Uebisu pay by beating his goalkeeper Konosuke Nishikawa at the near post. So it was 2-0 to the hosts um, close to half-time. It was nearly 3-0 when Pereira had to do brilliantly to clear a goal-bound shot off the line, but Machida did extend their lead before the interval in the 39th minute on a superbly orchestrated counter-attack. Hirakawa sent Araki racing clear, and as he bore down on the Oita back three, he slipped the ball through to Eric, who drilled low past Nishikawa to make it 3-0. And Araki's on five goals for the season now up front for Machida. And Eric, who's just been named as J2's player of the month for February and March, he has four. And uh, yeah, completing the kind of good news story for Machida at the moment. Their manager, Go Kuroda, was also named as uh, J2's manager of the month for the opening kind of four weeks of the season. 
Oita did pull a goal back in this game in the 76th minute. Shinya Utsumoto heading in a left-wing cross from Kazuki Fujimoto at the back post. And the away side nearly got a second goal when Pereira's header was palmed away by William Pope in the Machida goal. So the full-time score was Machida 3, Oita 1 at Nozita, and that leaves Machida a point ahead of Oita at the summit. Obviously, both teams having a fantastic start to 2023, but uh, yeah, Machida came out on top in this one. Machida 3, Oita 1. Plenty to talk about as well from the game down in Yamaguchi. It finished Yamaguchi nil. Shimizu S-Pulse 6. So much going on in this game as Shimizu picked up their second win of the season in fine style. Uh, as well, this game was suspended twice uh, while it was in progress in the second half due to thunder and lightning uh, around the stadium. Uh, on the pitch, Shimizu went ahead in the 15th minute. Akira Ibayashi heading in Yuta Kamiya's uh, free kick from the right-hand side. And Yamaguchi were their own worst enemies just four minutes later. They gave the ball away to Shimizu forward Oh Sehun, and the Korean striker played in his partner Koya Kitagawa for a cool finish past Daisuke Yoshimitsu, and it was 2 0. Ten minutes into the second half, uh, the game was suspended due to the uh, thunder and lightning, the stormy weather around the stadium, and after a delay of about 45 minutes, uh, not ideal for the players, uh, play resumed. Shimizu then made the game safe with a third goal in the 65th minute uh, with Kamiya again assisting an Ibayashi header. This time uh, Ibayashi headed in Kamiya's corner at the near post. So the, the game was pretty much sewn up for Shimizu at 3-0. Play was then paused again due to the stormy weather and after another delay of about 40 minutes um, play continued. But after the restart, Shimizu scored again straight away to make it 4-0. Akira Disaro chesting the ball down inside the penalty area and swivelling to score from about 12 yards. With the pitch now pretty much waterlogged, Shimizu added two more goals in the last five minutes. Carlinos Jr. crossed for Thiago Santana to head in, and then a measured through ball from Takeru Kishimoto sent Katsuhiro Nakayama clean through, and he fired into the roof of the net from just inside the penalty area to make the final score Yamaguchi nil, Shimizu 6. Shimizu are three games unbeaten under their new coach Tadahiro Akiba, and they're up to 14th. Yamaguchi, now with the worst defence in the division, with their 22 goals conceded, are in 17th. Elsewhere in J2 at the weekend, Fujieda's great form continued as they scored four goals and picked up three points on the road at Mito. Now, Fujieda were 2-0 up in this game uh, at half-time, thanks to a pair of superb goals. Firstly, in the 15th minute, J2's top scorer, Ryo Watanabe, put Daisuke Sudo's men in front with a beautiful low curler from the edge of the penalty area. Eight goals for Watanabe in 2023 so far. Mito fullback Koshi Osaki then had a golden chance to equalise for the home side at the far post, but he just couldn't stretch his leg far enough to guide the ball into the empty net at close range, and he ended up kicking the foot of the post instead. Two minutes before the break, Fujieda doubled their lead with a stunning effort from Taisuke Mizuno. He crashed the ball past Louis Yamaguchi in the Mito goal from the edge of the box after a corner kick had been knocked down to him, uh, yes, on the edge of the penalty area. Into the second half, it was 3-0 when Fujieda centre-back Keisuke Ogasawara volleyed in Akiyuki Yokoyama's right-wing free kick from inside the six-yard box. Ogasawara completely unmarked, uh, and that goal was in the 67th minute. About five minutes later, Mito did pull a goal back when a left-wing cross ran all the way through to the far post and was brilliantly dispatched by Osaki to make it 3-1. 
but Fujieda restored their three-goal cushion 12 minutes from full-time. Mito centre-back Takumi Kusumoto overran the ball while he was trying to bring it forward, and that led to Ken Yamura beating Yamaguchi a bit too easily with a shot from about 20 yards. So full-time, Mito 1, Fujieda 4. A great win for Fujieda, their third in the last five matches, and they're up to eighth in their maiden J2 campaign. Mito in this game awful in defence again uh, and they are 18 and they have the second worst uh, goals conceded column uh, after Yamaguchi. Tokushima's miserable start to the season continued with a 4-0 home thrashing by Nagasaki. Tokushima nil, Nagasaki 4 was the final score. Nagasaki were in pretty much total control of this game from very early on with Tsubasa Kasayanagi hitting the crossbar for the visitors and another Nagasaki effort being cleared off the line by Kohei Uchida. The inevitable opening goal came in the 26th minute and it was too easy for Nagasaki as Asahi Masayama released Kasayanagi down the right wing and his low cross was converted by Juanma Delgado, unmarked at the far post. So Nagasaki uh, 1-0 to the good at half-time. And they went further ahead with a short corner routine in the 55th minute, which ended with a bullet header into the back of the net from Kazuki Kushibiki. Nagasaki then piled pressure onto the Tokushima boss Bena Labayan with two late goals to make it 4-0. Firstly, Kushibiki scored his second and Nagasaki's third with a free header inside the six-yard box from a Hijiri Kato cross. And then a perfect through ball from Kaio Cesar released Shunya Yoneda uh, down the left and he crossed low for substitute Ten Miyagi to tap in unmarked at the far post. So it was Tokushima nil, Nagasaki 4 at full time. Tokushima had Jose Suarez back in goal for the first time in seven matches but he was woefully underprotected uh, throughout this game and with no wins from any of the ten games so far, Tokushima are bottom Nagasaki, uh, a bang in form. This was an impressive display from them, and they're up to fifth. Finally, from the J2 weekend, the 4 pm kickoff saw Iwata come from behind to earn a point at home to Kumamoto. This game finished Iwata 1, Kumamoto 1. Kumamoto got a perfect start in the 12th minute, thanks to a great strike from Rimu Matsuoka that gave them the lead, as Iwata's Yuto Suzuki tried to bring the ball forward. He was dispossessed by Shuhei Kamimura and then Matsuoka put in an angle drive from the edge of the box that went in via the far post. At the other end, Kumamoto goalie Ryuga Tashiro made a smart stop with his feet to prevent an equaliser from Hiroki Yamada and Matsuoka then did well to track back and take the ball off the toes of Yuto Suzuki when he was preparing to shoot. Iwata though got back on level terms with the help of a penalty eight minutes into the second half Ko Matsubara managed to get his body across Kumamoto's Takuro Ezaki as the visiting defender was already swinging his foot to clear the ball inside the penalty area. Uh, there was some contact and I think Matsubara seemed to make the most of it and that went down to earn Iwata a spot kick. But uh, goalkeeper Tashiro did brilliantly to save Shota Kanako's penalty only for Kanako himself to head in the rebound uh, after Tashiro was only able to parry the ball up into the air. So it was 1-1, um, close to the hour mark in this game. Both teams went in search of a winner late on, and the best moment was probably Iwata goalkeeper Yuji Kajikawa's fine save from a Rei Hirakawa header. So it finished Iwata 1, Kumamoto 1 uh, at Yamaha, two consecutive draws for Iwata, who are in 10th. Kumamoto are 13th, unbeaten in their last four games, uh, although three of those have been drawn. 
All right, I think uh, James and I have rounded up all the latest J2 action from the weekend, so please stay tuned. In a moment, James and I actually got together uh, on Skype to talk about some of the big talking points from the weekend. And uh, yeah, you'll hear my chat with James uh, in a moment. J2 Extra Time. Welcome back to JTalk Extra Time. James and John here. Now, John, uh, quite a lot's happened in J2 since we last podded together. How have you been? Uh, yeah, hi, James. Yeah, all, all good, thanks. Yeah, these midweek uh, midweek round uh, made last week feel very busy, uh, didn't it? And yeah, it's a while since we've uh, we've had a chance to chat. So uh, yeah, hopefully the, we can uh, we can put that right uh, for the next uh, thirty minutes or so. Mm, yeah, we got lots to talk about. We will start with uh, a really big match at the top of the table. Uh, Machida 3, Oita 1, uh, which meant that those teams switched places and now Machida are back on top. I was quite surprised by this, uh, the the result and also the, the match itself. But what did you think of it, John? Yeah, I think I checked. Uh, I was pretty busy over the weekend on on Sunday afternoon, but I did. I, I checked all the scores at half time, and obviously at that point, Machida were, were three nil ahead. That's not really what you're expecting from a sort of top of the table clash, uh, is mm. it? Like I kind of thought it might be a tighter game than uh, than that. But when when watching the highlights, it was pretty clear that. Um, yeah, Machida were really, really up for this one. And they just kind of, um, uh, in my notes, I use the word pummeled, but I, I think they really, they really just came, they, they just came flying out of the blocks at Oita. And um, it, 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 this season, Oita haven't really seemed to be kind of overrun or couldn't really cope. But I think they, they definitely just couldn't really deal um, with Machida, could they, in the uh, just in the first few minutes. Uh, I think somebody uh, hit the crossbar, I think, for, for Machida. Mm-hmm. And then maybe there's another... Uh, you know, another couple of good chances, but eventually, um, yeah, they got that first goal, which beautifully kind of worked corner kick routine. Like mm. you know, of, of all the ways that Machida can 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 kind of hurt you as an opponent, I didn't I didn't really have kind of sort of cute corner kick routines that wasn't on my list, but they 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 produced one uh, for that goal for Shunta Araki, and then I think I don't really like reducing matches down to sort of one or two individual uh, mistakes. James, this might be because I watch your Karma FC a lot and it would make me sad <laughs> if we, we talked about all the, the mistakes made in those games. But I think in this particular case, I don't I don't want to have a go at anyone in particular. But Katsunori Uebisu, you know, the, the Oita centre-back, I think he he sort of had a bit of a brain fart, didn't he, um, for the second goal that, mm-hmm. that Machida scored. And I think the timing of that goal, um, 10 minutes after conceding the first and the, the the fact that it made it two 0 and, and and forced Oita to really have to come out and play that that kind of contributed to them letting in the third goal b- before the break. So I really think that was a crucial um, mistake at a crucial moment. So I think even though in the end it finished three one and the, there's no doubt Machida deserved to to win the game. They were you know they were strong enough. They played well enough in the first half to to to, to deserve the points. I, I think it might have been a different match if if Oita could have just got to half time at one nil down, because mm. we we know what a dangerous team they are, you know what good form they've been. I mean they were top of the table uh, going into the match, and that's not that's not a fluke, you know that's not by accident. But yeah, I think the fact that it was two nil um, on that mistake from Uebisu, and then three nil shortly afterwards with um, Eric, uh, who's just been named as the kind of J two player of the month, hasn't he, yeah. um, for February and March, but it's only one month. Uh, fixture-wise, which is a bit confusing, but yeah, he's you know obviously um, been a real sort of shining, shining light for Machida. And uh, yeah, to be honest, at this point, I know we're, we're ten games in. I'm not sure if that's 
how significant that is because on the one hand there's there's 32 games left but on the other hand there's only 32 games left I do think based on what I've seen so far I can imagine Machida and Oita both being up there you know at the top top six at the end of the season and um, I think for Machida as well doing it without Mitch Duke you know who's who's out injured at the moment they um, showed that they can can play and win and, and score goals without him so I think they're the real deal uh, for Oita I think on another day they might have got something out of this game if they got to half time, um, you know, one nil down or even two nil down. But at three nil, I think it was just too much. Um, Matchida are just a bit too too good for Oita to be able to come back from from three one down. But I, I don't know how, how did you see it, James? Yeah, I, uh, I I said I was surprised. I wasn't surprised that that Machida won because they're a very good team, and mm. I was just surprised by how. Oita were all over the place defensively in that first half. And you, you used the word pummeled. I put strangled. Because mm. when Oita were trying to um, play out of defence, they just ended up passing it back across their own penalty area and back to the goalie because Machida had easily blocked all of their passing options. That mm. uh, led to a turnover, which led to a corner, which led to the first goal. Second goal, again, was a turnover in their own area. And between the second and the third goal, there were several near misses, and Oita were just they were they were at sixes and sevens, and and yeah, it could have been could have been four or five or six nil at half time. Mm. Um, so I was really surprised because Oita, I know I think they conceded three against Ormia, didn't they, um, earlier in the season? But apart from that, they've been a pretty solid team and very well organised and. Despite this result, which is very uncharacteristic of them, I think, um, Shimotaida has got them playing really well, led by, by Naoki Nomura, who um, in the second half they did kind of get it together and um, come into the game a bit. Their goal was well worked. Um, but apart from that, I thought Machida had it fairly easy. I think Oita were, were really off, mm. off form. For this for this match, one thing that I do think was was quite important early on, before any of the goals, was that Oita um, actually started quite comfortably. First few minutes, they looked really comfortable with the ball and got forward a little bit. But then there was a collision between Eric and Pereira, where Pereira jumped and Eric sort of knocked his feet out from under him, pretending that he didn't know where he was and it was an accident. So you're Pereira talking about the, the Harry Kane, the Harry yeah. Kane challenge, yeah. The sort of challenge that has been outlawed in, in definitely in rugby league and probably in rugby union as well, because it you could break someone's neck doing that. Mm. Pereira was lucky he landed on his shoulder, but he was clearly affected by it because a few minutes later he had to stop again. And I think that kind of ruined Oita's momentum and probably well, it clearly shook Pereira up. Eric did it again as well. He did it to Ue Ibisu later in the, in the half. Same thing. And got a yellow card for the second one. Um, so I think that that kind of... Um, that did have an impact. Perhaps not a massive one, but I think it, it had an effect. Mm. But yeah, Machida, um, yeah, without which Duke, they had Shinta Araki up front. He scored five goals this season. But John, do you know how many shots he's taken? Um, is it Five. Five Close, or six? Seven. Seven, seven okay. shots. Five goals from seven shots. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. It's deadly, deadlier than a Messi. Yeah. 
including three he come, uh, three as a sub um, in consecutive games against Mito, Kanazawa and Yamagata um, back in March. Yeah, really good. Compare that to uh, Iwaki's Kaina Tanimura, who scored three goals from 28 shots. I think we, we should go back in time to Cristiano's Tochigi days and look at his, his <laughs> ratio of goals to shots as well for, for a comparison. Yeah, and uh, was it Tokach? Yes. Yeah, the pound shop Cristiano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that's on, on Machida, you know, they just have so many of these kind of attacking options. I mean, we, we, we don't tend to talk about the defence very much or the, the holding midfielders who also have an important role to play. Uh, clearly, but just the fact that, you know, in Mitch Duke, J2, he's a real, uh, he's a really good option. He's a really good player. To have him missing would would be a problem for a lot of teams. But for Matthew, it's no problem. They they can adjust very slightly. Um, you know, you even notice like Daigo Takahashi pops up now and again. You know, he, he would probably be a starter at a lot of other teams. And I know he's kind of in and out of the team a little bit uh, at Matthew. And then there's... Um, uh, Yaman uh, Yamaguchi, right? Kazumi Yamaguchi he sort of can't yeah. get in the team or can't 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 find a place mm-hmm. in the team. So they're they're certainly um, a team to be to be scared of. I, I think it's true for Oita as well. Like the way they've been playing recently, I don't think anybody's really you know looking forward to playing against either um, either side. I think they've they've both been really strong. And I think you mentioned Oita letting letting three goals against Ormia, but they bounced straight back and won the next game, didn't they? So yes. I think um, even though they lost this match, considering the circumstances, um, you know, of letting in three goals in the first half and having the game sort of going with them, I don't think they'll be, I don't think they'll be despondent or down in the dumps. And I'm watching to see how they kind of react, you know, and recover in the next game. I think they will probably um, be able to shake this one off quite quickly and uh, and kind of get back, uh, you know, get back to winning ways. And I think I mixed up my notes. I, I mentioned um, Machida hitting the post and having a, oh, sorry, hitting the crossbar and having a shot cleared off the line early on. I think I was mixing that up with a different game. So sorry, James, I, I, I apologise to you and the listeners. I think you were right and Oita did settle first, didn't they? And were, were quite comfy in this match early on before things uh, before things went wrong. So yeah, uh, uh, apologies for that. <laughs> Been a busy busy week at the day job this week. So I mixed up <laughs> my notes there. But yeah, good 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 win for Machida. You know, uh, being top of the table after ten matches is is uh, something to be very pleased with. But I don't think Oita are going to be panicking um, just mm. because they lost just because they lost this game. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think that's enough talk about good teams at the top of the table. And we need to slide all the way down to the bottom of the table let's talk about still winless Tokushima nil nagasaki four what 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 john what is there what is there to say about Tokushima? oh actually no, um, let's start with nagasaki actually because uh, there's probably well there are more positive things to say about them but perhaps less than there is to say about Tokushima overall <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Well, yeah, that, that's that's fair enough. We sh- we should stay on the positive, positive. You know, the good teams uh, for for a little while longer, maybe before before we get into the bad teams. But I think Nagasaki, a bit of a strange game to analyze because you know the, the four nil scoreline is a uh, is a hammering, isn't it, on paper? Mm. But two of the goals came in the last three minutes when mm. uh, Tokushima just forgotten um, what to do in their own penalty area, really. So I'm not sure if it was really a four nil game. Um, but mm. I know Daniel Daniel Kruda will be listening and, and wanting some positive Nagasaki chats. We, we 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 better give it to him. I thought they were by far the better team. 
Um, they look like they're really in a good a good groove at the moment. They they kind of had total control of, of this match. This was the game, by the way, James, where I'd mixed up my notes. And yes, it was uh, Tsubasa Kasayanagi, right? He hit the crossbar early um, for, for Nagasaki in this match. And then they nearly scored. I think Kohei Uchida, uh, one of the players from our team of the season last year, he had to clear uh, shots um, off the line. So it could have been 1-0 to Nagasaki very early um, or even 2-0 to Nagasaki very early. So in, in the end, the fact that they won the game wasn't surprising at all. They were never in any any danger. I think 4-0 perhaps flattered them slightly. Mm. Um, but they, uh, they are kind of in a pretty good groove at the moment. And it's funny, when a team is playing well and winning, uh, of course, your opinion of the players goes up. And I was kind of looking through their squad uh, for this game. I know they started with the four, four Brazilian players. I think Valdo uh, made his mm. first start for them at centre-back. He slotted in with, with no problem. Um, you know, so they kind of have this really interesting blend of like, I think they had, was it uh, Valdo at the back and then Caio Cesar uh, yeah. and then, is it Cle- Clayson started as yeah, well? Clayson's playing, yeah, Clayson's playing. Yeah, and uh, up front, uh, Edgar, Edgar Junior. No, or, they, it was uh, uh, Juanma Delgado. Ah, so that's, that's right, yeah, so Spanish, so not all yeah. Brazilians, but that kind of mix of like the foreign and the Japanese players is um, it's not always that easy to get right, but they're, they're definitely in the right in the in the in the mood at the moment, aren't they? They're they're in a groove. Um, yeah, Tokushima on the other hand, um, yeah, the words in my notes that we can pick out um, probably a miserable, uh, thrashing, uh, pressure, um, woeful uh, are all, all appear in my notes on Tokushima. I just thought they were really poor. Uh, and this was a really big game for them because they'd lost, obviously, at home to Mito in midweek, which mm. I'm sure they would have been targeting as a, a good chance to get a three points, at, you know, for the first time this season. They had another chance to do it in front of their own fans um, four days later. And not only did they not get the win, they, they got a real uh, battering, didn't they? Um, and it, it's hard to see sort of how um, Benar... Labayan kind of kind of turns the team around from here. I have been, um, uh, you know, as part of my due diligence for the pod, I was on the Tokushima website earlier, and they mm. do have a statement on the website today. But it's it's not exactly, you know, in Japan they don't really do the vote of confidence in the manager. Like mm. the, the statement doesn't refer to the manager directly or anything, but just like the whole squad is like, you know, they're, they're really sorry about how the first ten games have gone. And they're, they're gripped with a sense of crisis, and they're, they're you know, they're, 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 I think the, if you put it through Google Translate, the word desperate appears. You know, they're de- desperate to get a win mm-hmm. and to turn things around. So, um, I think on the positive side, there's the sense that the the front office recognises that things haven't gone great <laughs> in the first ten rounds. But um, I, I can't think of too many examples of where the the kind of management team has been able to turn it around after one of those votes of confidence goes up on the official website, you know, it, it, it tends to, you know, gravity tends to pull the team in only one direction from that point. So we, we, we'll see, but um, yeah, I was surprised at how big the gap seemed to be between the, these two sides. And even, even at two nil uh, Nagasaki was so comfortable in cruising that the, the fact that they added two more goals, you know, late on in the game um, added a bit of um, a bit of gloss to, to, to the scoreline. But um, yeah, I don't think Tokushima really, you know, threatening or really in the game that much um, from the moment Nagasaki went in front, you know, um, in, the, in the 26th minute. But um, I don't know, it might be being a bit harsh. Uh, what, what, what did you make of it, James? <laughs> um, well, I, uh, I'll start with Nagasaki. I 
I really liked what I saw from them. I haven't actually seen that much of them this year, but um, they are, they've, they're kind of quietly hit form. They've got four wins from five. So with Gunma and Kanazawa, they're, they're the form team of the division. Um, and yeah, the, the Kyle Cesars seems to be playing really well, sort of running things for them in central midfield. Then they've got Clayson, um, players like Ten Miyagi and Hijiri Kato doing pretty well. Juanma Delgado has been doing a really good job leading the line as well. Puts himself about, he takes the fouls, but he's scoring as well. Um, yeah, they're, they're starting to see more what I was hoping to see from them. I think it took them a few weeks to get going. And we never really saw, un, under Carrillo last year, we never really saw them play to their potential, I don't think. They were, they were pretty uninspired in the second half of last year mm. so uh yeah it's good it's good to see that from them and i'm sure daniel's really enjoying it uh, or i hope he is anyway and um yeah i hope to see, see, see them keep going mm. um because yeah they're they're they're, they're up mm. in the playoff spots now yeah. so it's not- yeah it's it, it's starting to look like it was the right decision to stick with fabio carile for this season wasn't it i remember talking to to daniel kind of at the tail end of last season and i thought maybe because he hadn't really, things hadn't changed much in a positive sense since he'd come in. They they might be looking for a new manager again, uh, mm-hmm. you know. But they they stuck with him, and at the moment they're being vindicated by that. It's, it's it turns out he he seems to know what he's doing and is assembling a pretty good team there at the moment. And I agree with you. They kind of they've sort of sneaked into the top six, haven't they? At the moment, um, mm-hmm. kind of gone under the radar a little bit. I don't think that will bother them at all. I think they might even enjoy that, you mm-hmm. know, rather than being sort of uh, burdened with expectation. This uh, this year. What 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 about uh, Tokushima, James? I know you've done some digging. I, I was late for the recording um, tonight, so you had some extra time to do research on them. What what what, what have you made of them uh, in this match and, and and so far this season? Well, in this match, um, they tried um, Kazuki Nishia. Or on the Dazon pre-game graphic, it had him as a, one of the two strikers. But I think actually he kind of was playing just behind um, Kaito Mori who was the main striker and it didn't work obviously um so their their lack of goals from last season has been i think it's been exacerbated by poor off-season recruitment because i mean like yoichiro kakitani daiki watari kaito mori they're, they're not they're not legitimate goal threats at the moment they're they're hard working that's great but they don't look like scoring. And I think we said this in the pre-season pods, like, who's going to score their goals? Apparently no one. And they've also been missing Suarez in goal. He came back for this game. I think it was for this game. I don't know if he played in midweek. That, that's right. I think it's the first game in seven. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And they lost 4-0. Well, he's, last year he showed that he was possibly the, the best goalie in the division, but he couldn't do anything about at least three of these goals because the defending was awful. He had no chance. And mm. I think I've got a lot of questions about Tokushima. Like they, the, too many, too many of their attacks I've seen in matches or in highlights what end in wildly inaccurate long range shots or crosses to no one. So what's the point of all the possession? 
I looked, yeah, when you were you were running a bit late, so I, 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 I texted you, yeah, I had time to do some research just to check how bad Tokushima really are. So I went on Football Lab. Tokushima lead the league in average possession, 62.2%. Mm. But they have the fewest goals scored and they have the worst shot conversion rate they've only converted 5.5 percent of their shots into goals so mm. what's the point of having the ball for that much if you're not going to score any goals like they, they've they've got loads of really great passing stats between kaka and other center backs but mm. i mean like if they're just going to pass it amongst the back five and then mm. Someone's going to have a really terrible shot. What's the point? Yes, it's a bit like a, a jigsaw that you've almost completed, but some very, very important pieces are, are missing. Yeah. And on a on a broader um, sort of uh, perspective, I'm wondering if maybe this project has run its course because they see that the, they want continuity as a club, which is which is laudable, but it, they've had diminishing returns since Ricardo Rodriguez got them promoted and then moved immediately to Urawa. They had Poyatos, who almost kept them in J1, but they weren't quite good enough. And it was unfortunate that, that there were extra relegation spots. And then they had Poyatos for a year in J2, where they couldn't really win many games and they sneaked into the playoffs with a ridiculous record for number of draws. Now they've got Le Bayern and they haven't won a game and we're 10 games into the season. Are they going to be another Matsumoto? And mm. is it time for them to rethink their, their, their project? And if it is time for them to rethink it, how far do they need to go? And how far can they go at this point of the season? Should they persist mm. with Le Bayern and risk going down? Should they throw everything at uh, some like firefighter? And if they do that, then what? They'll still need to rebuild in the winter. So I really don't know. Mm. What to, to what? I mean, I know what to make of Toshima. They're bad, but I don't know. I don't know what 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 they can do to mm. to, to rectify the situation. Well, yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, the the, the front office by keeping the, you know the Benat Labayan and the management team that they have now. Um, you could interpret that as either well, they still believe in the project and they just think it needs a little bit more time. And a bit more work on the train, which that might be true. You know, we we don't have all the information, so we don't know. But mm. another possible reading might be the front office might not know what to do either. So they they mm. might not they, they might not know how to change it. You know, if they do fire fire Labayan and bring in somebody else, would that be another continuity person? So, i.e., you know, a Spanish possession based manager, mm. uh, or, or would it be as you point out, like perhaps that that kind of concept? You know. Uh, has run its course and they might need um uh yeah a firefighter figure or just just a complete change of approach i, I do think i mean we, we talked about jose suarez kazuki nishi i mean they are players that would fit into any j2 team yeah uh, you know or possibly higher actually you know if, if we're being honest so th th there is there is some there are some players to work with but yeah up front um yeah kakitani's looking like a busted flush at the moment Mm. And there aren't many because Kaito Mori. I just don't know anything about him. I, I, I don't have any any. My, my brain just doesn't have any any data on this guy. 
Um, you know, so I'm not sure what what he's supposed to contribute. But um, you know, there's the summer transfer window that might make a difference. But it's it's not a vintage Takashima season at the moment, is it? There's not much not much prospects of it improving in the in the short term, I guess. So uh, yeah, sorry sorry to uh, sorry to turn it negative, but um, it's it's Takashima's fault, not not mine. Yeah. Okay. Well, so uh, we've talked about bottom of the league. Let's raise our gaze ever so slightly to second bottom. Montedio Yamagata, they lost 1-0 at home to Kanazawa. Mm. Eight successive losses. They haven't scored a goal at home yet this season. They've been on the end of some uh, unfortunate decisions, um, close calls during this bad run, but none as egregious as the disallowed goal in this game, don't you think? Mm, no, I think that's completely right. I was a bit worried in our text chat that I uh, we, we're talking about this uh, disallowed Yamagata goal uh, right against Kanazawa. So about ten minutes or so into the second half, mm. uh, was it James Keisuke Nishimura uh, scored in inverted commas with a header from yeah. uh, from Zaini Saka's corner? But after a very very long delay, um, mm. the referee decided that a uh, a Yamagata player on the goal line had fouled the the Kanazawa keeper uh, Yuto Shirai, but um, I couldn't really see a foul when I watched it in real time. And on the replays, especially from the angle behind the goal, I think there might be a case for saying the, the foul should have gone the other way. <laughs> Possibly yeah. should have been a penalty for, for Yamagata. So I think that's that's a hard one to take. And um, it's funny, isn't it? When you're down at the bottom of the league, um, these kind of problems tend to stack up. So, of course, at the other end, um, Yamagata's goalie, Masaki Goto, of course, usually so reliable and a safe pair of hands. Um, someone had uh, covered his goalkeeping gloves in a butter, hadn't they? He uh, spilled a, a very routine catch from a Leo Bayer cross. And that led to Junior Kato just being on hand to uh, to turn the loose ball into the net for Kanazawa's winner. So I think when you're down at the bottom, you know everything that can go wrong uh, will go wrong, uh, won't it? And I, I take your point about the the refereeing decisions that haven't helped Yamagata, but um, it, it, it's hard to stand behind a record of eight straight defeats um, without wondering if there might be more to it, you, you know, than than than, than just. Just one. What bad decisions might account for a three-game losing streak, even? But eight is a club record, I think, for them, and uh, not a great one. So, how did you see the game, um, James, on on Sunday? And and, and what about uh, Yamagata and and Kanazawa as well, uh, if you like? Um, yeah, well, Yamagata. Well, this this game, I thought um, in the first half, I think Kanazawa had the better chances. Although Yamagata did have a really good chance in the first thirty seconds, and should I had to make a good save? Um, then Kanazawa had a, yeah, a few efforts, but were uh, off target. One of those um, Hayashi's effort, he was um, uh, at least a yard offside. Um, but <laughs> so if he'd scored from that, I, I think yeah, Yamagata would have been would have been uh, quite upset. But as it was, they had something else to be upset about later on anyway. Um, they didn't really look like doing much going forward, Yamagata, really. I mean, at the end, they threw on um, De La Torre and Thiago Alves, but I think they, they 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 managed one effort on target in the last sort of 20, 20 minutes or so with those guys on, and, and it's, that's not really good enough, is it, with, with, with a squad that they've got? Mm. I think um, the... 
Yeah, the, the, the disallowed goal, I completely agree that um, I, I think it was a foul by Shidai. What was interesting was earlier this evening, someone shared um, something that Shidai posted on his Instagram. Because I think this this incident was on the Dazone Judge replay program. And um, so Shidai put a long post basically explaining, um, oh, he, he apparently, he's, he says, he appealed to the ref before the corner was taken to say this player was going to block him. And um, then when the corner was taken, he decided he wanted to go and claim the ball and he wanted to, he needed to, to try and muscle the player out of the way. And uh, so he was being blocked. My reaction to that was, yeah, well, you would say that. Um, but to me, it looked like he he pulled the Yamagata player's arm and pulled them both down backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was it was a very long delay before that was that was disallowed. I actually... Because I was refereeing my own children uh, in the living room, <laughs> just not a football, just playing, and uh, uh, I, I looked away in disgust from from the screen. And then when I looked back a couple a minute or so later, and it still said nil nil, I thought, oh, there's own cutting costs by not even updating the scoreboard. I hadn't realised it had been disallowed. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I, I for Yamagata, it's it's strange because I, I can understand that they they fired Klamovsky because I don't think he had that much of a tough job this year. They lost Rikhanda and Kota Yamada, but they didn't really lose anyone else who was integral to their performances last year. Mm. And, but they've always been, they'd always been a bit of a streaky team under him, go on a good run and go on a bit of a bad run and never really sorted out some of those problems, like any dozy giveaways in midfield so perhaps he was a victim of his own success by raising expectations from the previous season and a half. But now they've they've promoted um, Watanabe from within, and nothing seems to have changed. I guess maybe they just need a bit of luck, because it seems like they haven't had any at the moment. But mm. not sure. No, Change I think the manager hasn't had any effect on the performances. So where do they go from here? Well, I, I think that's right. They just need, when you're down at the bottom, I mean, eight straight defeats is, um, you know, e- even for professionals, that's got to knock your confidence, right? You, you know, you, you, your heads are going to go down a little bit quicker uh, when you let in the first goal, uh, when you're on like a seven-match losing streak uh, than if you're on a seven-game winning streak, for for example. But um, yeah, it, it's an interesting point about Klamovsky because I think we, um, I don't know about you, James, but I always really enjoyed watching Yamagata play when he was in yeah. charge. But at the same time, I was quite glad he wasn't it wasn't my team because, mm. the, you know, giving the ball away so often in midfield and the defence never being quite, um, y- you wouldn't really use the word solid, right, to, to describe mm. Yamagata's backline. And it, that doesn't really matter who the personnel are. It seems to be a system, uh, a system problem. But, um, yeah, I do think... Um, Looking at the squads on paper, but also how they've played over the first ten games, if we if we did have to kind of you know sort of pair Yamagata and and Tokushima against each other, I'm a lot more optimistic about Yamagata sort of getting out of it and yeah. kind of back into the safety mid table. Of course, I was kind of anticipating maybe Yamagata would have a bit of a kind of possible playoff tilt again mm. this year. That that seems like a what a ridiculous uh, prediction, you know, looking at the table right now. But I do think they will eventually kind of. Um, get out of like you know serious trouble and mm. probably settle somewhere in mid-table I'm a, bit, I'm a bit more concerned about Tokushima because we talked about earlier that there don't seem to be many goals in their team I think Yamagata do have goals 
um, that they're just it's just not happening. It's not happening right now. And I think maybe that ploy of bringing on Delatore and Targo Alves for like last twenty minutes mm. um, as the two kind of super subs. Obviously, it worked. Uh, it worked really well last year. But I wonder if perhaps it was over. Um, you know, everybody knows that's coming now. Mm. You know, everybody knows about those players now. So it's perhaps not as an effective uh, a weapon um, mm. as it was as it was last season. But um, I do think. They will be okay. I, I can't pretend I'm a massive fan of Suzumu Watanabe, um, mm. who's coming as kind of the, the the new manager because, like you said, he's come from within. It's a kind of like meet, meet the new boss, you know, same as the old boss um, kind of thing. And I think when P- Peter Klimovsky, when he left, he, he talked in a, a statement. I'm not sure if it was his words or was it from the club, but, you know, he changed the DNA of uh, Yamagata, uh, mm. you know, changed the club culture. It's like, well, on a run of eight straight defeats now, you have to wonder how much. It, it, well, how much you change it, and, and is Suzumi Watanabe is he the guy that's gonna? Con- mm. is, is his job to continue with that DNA or to change it or to add to it or what? Because eight, eight straight defeats. Um, okay, I just keep repeating stats here. The same, the same stat. Yeah. But it's it's a big one. It's an important. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of points. That's twenty four points. You know, mm. zero zero out of twenty four. So I do think they'll be okay. Some good position. I mean, on another day, they they. I, I actually think Kanazawa probably did enough to deserve to win this game. To be honest, but on another day, it could have gone the other way, couldn't it? it could have been a draw, mm. home win. Um, mm. You know, you don't get mistakes like that from Masaki Goto particularly often. No. Um, you know, as you'll know, as you'll know, because he was at Kanazawa for a while, wasn't he? And really mm. good, really good there. So, uh, yeah, it was a bad. It was just an unlucky day. For Yamagata, but it's much easier to put things down to bad luck if it's like your first defeat in a while, uh, you know, where it's a rare thing. When it's eight defeats in a row, then I think you have to maybe turn. Uh, yeah, it, it can't just be down to, to bad luck that they've lost so many matches. But I do think they are getting their kind of worst part of the season out of the way now, and I do think they'll recover to some kind of semblance of, of safety. But I'm a bit less confident about Tokushima just based on what I've seen mm. in the first terms. Would you go along with that, James? That sound about right? Yeah, I think so. I think it's from what I've seen of Yamagata, they seem to be not far away from from getting a result. And it reminds me of when Kanazawa had that really long winless run in 2021. We did draw a few games. It wasn't a, lo- a massive losing streak, but there were you know like games where we could have we could have won, but it mm. turned on a, a couple of late mistakes, or we conceded mm. a late goal, or. Conceded an early goal, got back into it, and then conceded a late goal. That kind of thing. So I, it's, it reminds me of those kind of things. Like they just need something to go their way, mm. and then mm. they'll be all right. And and I can see them kind of yeah moving up up the table a little bit. I don't think they'll they'll mm. you know, like mm. reach any particularly great heights. But I, I don't mm. think they'll be in a relegation. No, that's kind of how I feel. That's kind of how I feel as, yeah. as well. What, what, what about Kanazawa then? They're, you know, suddenly well, they're yeah. ninth, and they're, are they ever going to draw a game? Uh, James, they're like the anti, uh, the anti Tokushima, the anti Okayama. Yeah. Right? Five, five wins and five defeats. What's there, what's going on there? Yeah, well, this is this was actually even though Yamagata are struggling, this was a really good result for Kanazawa because the last three uh, Yamagata against. Kanazawa, Yamagata at home to Kanazawa matches or to finish 4-1 to Yamagata. So nice to win in Yamagata. Nice to win four out of five, which we're not expected after losing the first four. Nice mm. to have three uh, three clean, clean sheets. 
in the last four games. Again, would not expect that from a Kanazawa team that's been leaking goals for the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, well, actually, for, for, for all but one of Yanagishita's seasons in charge, we've had a pretty dodgy defence. The only year when it, the defence was really good was 2019. So, mm. yeah, this this was uh, yeah brilliant. It, um, once we we had a bit of luck with that decision, and then another bit of luck with the mistake from Goto, where he he managed to to palm the ball onto the head of the shortest player on the pitch to score a header. Um, it the the team defended really well. They earned the clean sheet by. By snuffing out any chances, so that the you know the big guns off the bench from Yamagata didn't didn't get that equaliser. And what's also promising was that um, of those sort of consecutive clean sheets now with different goalies and different backline, we there, there were 11, 11 changes to the team Wednesday night, and then two of those guys kept their places for for this game, um, Shoji and, and Kojima. So it, it it shows that um, obviously we know who, who Yanagishita's preferred starting eleven are, but the the others in the squad have shown that they can they can take the the, the place of those those first choice if need to, and so the competition for places is obviously good, and um, perhaps something that we've not had so much at Kanazawa over the last couple of years, where mm. the first team have not been doing too well. And either they just have to keep going with the first team because the reserves are, are not good enough or, or, or you put the reserves in and they they show that they're not good enough. Mm. So, yeah, things are looking pretty good for, for Kanazawa at the moment. It's nice. And um, I'm sure it'll all come to a, to an end soon. But, yeah, at the moment, yeah, eighth, eighth, or, eighth or ninth in the league, it's, it's quite nice. It's inside of the playoffs, which is the aim for the season. Mm. The club's stated aim is to reach the playoffs. So That's good. We, we, we brought it back round to positivity again. You know, just yes. the, pod, the pod came full circle there. It did. All right. Well, then, uh, on that positive note, let's move on to a quick preview of, uh, of, of round 11, shall we? And uh, we've got Friday night J2. Friday the 21st at 7 o'clock, Kumamoto against Jeff United. And then the rest of the games are split over Saturday and Sunday. So we'll just have a, have a quick uh, chat about the Saturday, the fixtures, shall we? There's uh, four matches at 2 o'clock. Omiya against Shimizu, Kofu against Machida, Okayama against Yamaguchi, Nagasaki against Akita. And then at 3 o'clock, Tokyo Verdi play Yamagata. Uh, which of those games do you think... Um, interests you mm, it's a good question James I think we, we do have a couple of sort of uh, bangers don't we potentially mm. I think if I had to pick one Kofu against Machida uh, mm. has to be the big one now it sounds like a lazy choice because Machida are top so I'm just picking a team that's in first place but Kofu have been surprisingly good this season mm. um, especially at, at home and I just wonder if I think both of these teams will have their, their tails up going into this game uh, both of them are going to be confident of getting the three points, and I think it could lead to a very, uh, very entertaining uh, match. I think, uh, possibly with uh, with with a lot of goals. But um, on the other hand, it could be very tight. But my point is, um, these are two uh, good teams and two form teams. I, I happen to think Machida are a better team, but they're they're away from home. Kofu got the home advantage. They've been playing well. Utaka is is fit. 
uh, and mm. firing, which is which is big for them. So I think that would be the the one game to watch if I had to pick one. But equally, uh, Okayama against Yamaguchi. I mean, Okayama, mm. they've only lost, I think, is it one so far? Yeah. They've got six, six draws. So they've not mm. they've not done too badly, but they're not exactly setting the league on fire, um, mm. are they, this year? And Yam- Yamaguchi, you've, you've discussed at length the problems that they have um, at, at the back. Yeah. So I just wonder if, you know, Okayama at some point are going to have to start winning matches if they're going to be a playoff contender, aren't they? Would it be against Yamaguchi? I don't know. Uh, Nagasaki Akita, I think also interesting. Nagasaki in great form, but Akita, notorious tough not to uh, to crack. That mm. could be an interesting match. And uh, I'm basically just talking about all the games now, James. But Verdi against Yamagata, Verdi have been pretty good as well over the first 10 rounds. You wouldn't wouldn't be surprising to see Yamagata go nine, nine straight defeats, would it, in that game? Yeah, it wouldn't. Um... I, I think you, you've picked some good ones. I, I, the one that stood out for me was Okayama Yamaguchi because Okayama, they do have, uh, they, they, they've got goal, goal scorers all over the pitch and Yamaguchi just had another thrashing. So they really need to tighten up and yeah, Okayama really need to start winning because they've been drawing too many games. Um, and then Omiya and Shimizu, I think Shimizu will be in good spirits because things seem to have turned the corner for them with uh, with Akiba t- taking over. Just put six past Yamaguchi. Omiya will want to regain their home form, having uh, having lost their last home game for the, 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 that was their first loss at home after a really mm. good start. So, uh, and then Friday night, yeah, Kumamoto and, and Jeff. I, I don't really know what to make of Kumamoto yet this year. I think. They, they seem um, a bit inconsistent. Well, perhaps that's more what, what, what we should expect from them after having uh, basically their entire squad uh, move on after the really good year last year. And Jeff finally won for the first time since the opening day. So they, they obviously need to, to keep doing that. But yeah, they're, they're, those, those all look uh, pretty good. And then Sunday, Sunday 23rd, there are five games at two o'clock. Tochigi against Iwaki, Gunma play Tokushima, Kanazawa take on Iwata, Fujieda face Sendai, and Oita play Mito. What about those games? Mm, I, I think again, James, plenty of intrigue, you know, potentially in mm. each in each fixture. The one that I've picked out is a uh, Kanazawa against the Iwata, oh. because I, I think again it's two teams that are in pretty good form. Mm. Um, I mean, Iwata have been. I think it's well documented, you know, they, they're under this transfer embargo, but I've still been quite pleasantly surprised by some of the football they've produced so far. Yeah. Um, I think they've been, they've been a lot better than I expected, and I, I actually am starting to revise my sort of expectations upwards for them for this mm-hmm. season. They're starting to look like a top six top six contender um, mm-hmm. if, if they keep playing the project. But the way that Kanazara have been going, uh, they might be feeling the same. Uh, you know, up the, up there in ninth, kind of on the fringes of the fringes. Sorry, of the 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 the, the very sort of top top echelon of the table. So Kanazawa against Iwata, I think that's a good test for Kanazawa of of where they are this season. Also a good test for Iwata as well. And uh, you mentioned that I think that Kanazawa's record against Iwata less than less than stellar. So, yeah, played um, six, lost six. Yeah, including uh, our worst ever defeat, six nil in twenty twenty. So, so if, if, yeah. the, if the guys, if the guys need any more motivation, there, there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned as well Gunma against Tokushima. Now, normally, 
if you're bottom of the table and you haven't won in 10 matches, an away game against Gunma might be a, might feel fit like a favourable fixture. I don't think mm. that's the case this year. I think Gunma are a <laughs> bit more, bit bit of a bit more streetwise than usual, aren't they? Mm. So I think Tokushima are really going to have their work cut out um, uh, in that game to, to sort of get off the mark and get 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 points. And Fujieda against Sendai wouldn't surprise me if Fujieda won that game just because um, perhaps I'm, I'm biased because I just watched the first half of Fujieda against Jeff from, let's see, two rounds ago where Fujieda kind of did what Machida did to Oita really. And uh, we're just three three nil up very quickly, and uh, blue 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 Jeff uh, blue Jeff away. I don't think they'll do that to Sendai because Sendai are a tougher team um, to play against. But I think if Sendai are anything less than one hundred percent in that game, I think Fujieda could give them a bit of a nasty surprise because I think they have been a a real um, breath of fresh air. Fujieda, I know that they're a bit of a Kanazar of like, is it? I don't know if it's five, maybe five wins. Is it, is it five wins and one draw yeah. and four losses or something? They, they, they basically, they win or lose pretty much. Um, you're never really yeah. sure what you're going to get. But there's loads of goals in their games. Mm. And um, Sendai, uh, you mentioned with, uh, which team did you mention? You said Kumamoto, you're not sure what to make of. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel the same about Sendai. Um, so this will be another chance for them to kind of, um, yeah, you know, continue their march. But Fujieda would be a tough, tough team to play against, I think. Yeah. I uh, I thought yeah Fujita they're the the top scorers in the league, and um, they're uh, yeah quite entertaining and uh, Sendai much uh, not as free scoring as they were last year, and not conceding as many as they were at this stage last year either. They've they've tightened up massively. Seems like um, things are starting to come together under Akira Ito maybe. Um, what a draw and uh, sorry, two draws and a and a win from their last three, but yeah, uh, yeah. And Fujita, they're quite fun to watch. They're coming to Kanazawa next week, which I'm kind of looking forward to, but also not looking forward to, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Oita Mito, Oita will be hoping that um, they can bounce back against the very accommodating defence of uh, Mito. And uh, the other one we haven't mentioned, Tochigi Iwaki. Now, Tochigi are 19th on nine points and Iwaki are 16th on 11 points. So this could be quite important. And uh, of the teams sort of near the bottom, uh, who, who perhaps you could say are in relegation trouble, even though it's an early stage of the season, I think Tochigi, are, I think they've got enough about them to be able to grind out results. Mm. I know they, they a couple of games in a row they they threw away a lead, uh, they, they lost and then they drew. But I think that they've got enough to be able to to get get the results they need. Mm. Yeah, I think I think Tochigi and Iwaki will both be targeting that game as as three mm. points, won't they? So should, they, they'll probably both go for it. I think. Yeah, and uh, with Iwaki, they uh, I think if if Ryo Arita is playing. Up front, they'll be all right. If he's missing and they're relying on Kaina Tanimura to score, then uh, they're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did set up both of Arita's goals. So I think that is a good partnership. But mm. it's, the, it's the partnership that's working. I don't think it, it works without mm. without one of them. Well, certainly it doesn't work without Arita. He's a very good striker. Yeah, Mike. Uh, Mike was making the point that it's it's surprising to see Fujieda 
sort of yeah. adapting better to life in J2 than Danny Wacky. That's probably an interesting story we'll have to revisit in a, in a future pod, I think. Uh, one, my theory off the top of my head might be that, that Fujita are taking people by surprise. Everyone would have would have looked at, at Iwaki as, as you know rising through the league so quickly and and ignored, perhaps ignored Fujieda or underestimated them. Or, yeah, it's great. It, I I also was expecting them to be um, in the opposite opposite positions, but yeah, mm. Fujieda eighth. Mm. Great. All right. So there's plenty mm. to look forward to this coming weekend. And uh, it was nice to chat to you about about J two for the first time in a while, John. Yeah, always a pleasure, James. Yeah, sorry to uh, sorry to uh, delay delay things at the start there with the with family stuff. But uh, yeah, always good to talk, and hopefully we're we're going to do it again uh, as early as next week, right? We can we can look back on all these round eleven games and see what what we got right and uh, possibly what we got wrong as well. Yeah, possibly yes, or just gloss over what we got wrong, and that would make it a very short pod. Um, yes, uh, so thanks again, John. Thanks everyone for listening, and thanks especially to everyone who supports us on uh, Patreon. We greatly appreciate your support of JTalk Extra Time and the JTalk podcast. Uh, so that's all from me and John. Coming up next, Mike Innes has all the latest from J3 in JTalk Short Corner. JTalk Extra Time. Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Short Corner, the mini-pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J-League. I'm your host, Mike Innes, and in this episode, I'll be looking back on fixtures in round seven of the J3 season, as well as previewing J3 clubs' participation this weekend in local qualifying tournaments for the Emperor's Cup. There were three games on Saturday the 15th of April, with AC Nagano Paseiro coming into their match at SC Sagamihara in fourth place, unbeaten in away games so far this season. For the hosts, Korki Kawashima was making his J-League debut between the sticks. As an attacking force, Sagamihara do struggle to find a route to goal, and the nearest they came in this match was just after the half hour, when Riku Hashimoto hammered a 25-yard shot against the crossbar following a half-cleared corner. Paseiro, meanwhile, call on the set pieces of Masaki Miyasaka, and six minutes into the second half, his near-post corner was headed powerfully in by Captain Takuya Akiyama. Miyasaka almost made it 2-0 soon afterwards when he thumped a free kick against Kawashima's near-post. Final score though, Sagamihara nil, Nagano won. The home side can't break down even a half-organised defence and have now scored only twice in the last five games. Paseiro always more likely to make the breakthrough. They've now won three in a row, none conceded. The match played out in torrential rain between FC Ryukyu and Giramance Kitakyushu revolved around the plain and simple ability to take chances. Giramance missed a fantastic opportunity in the 17th minute when homekeeper Junto Taguchi inside his own goal area was caught in two minds by Yosuke Kamigata. The loose ball came to Yuki Okada whose shot Taguchi parried. Kamigata somehow failing to convert the follow-up from six yards out. 
Ryukyu took the lead seven minutes before the break. Takahiro Yanagi escaping marker Takaya Inui to glance in debutant Show Hiramatsu's corner at the near post. Visiting keeper Yuki Kato made a pair of brilliant saves to prevent the hosts going 2-0 up. First from a speculative Katsuya Nakano shot, then point-blank from Ryunosuke Noda's header. But 13 minutes from time, Kato undid all his good work, blocking Takuma Abe's shot but allowing it to run free. And then, with defender Kota Muramatsu, getting himself in an almighty muddle, during which Abe stole in and poked it over the line. Humiliation for the away team, the wily Abe opportunistic enough to take advantage. Final score, UQ 2, Kitakushu 0. The home side, coping better with the conditions, deserved winners after coach Kazuki Kuranuki made another five changes from last week's team. A poor showing from Giravance, the hoped-for improvement under Kazuaki Tasaka has yet to take shape. Game of two halves between the goal-shy home attack of Fukushima United and the leaky away defence of Gainane Tottori. Fukushima almost went in front twice in the opening few minutes. First, when Naoto Miki's close-range header brought a sensational save out of Tottori keeper Koshiro Itohara. Then, when Ryo Shiohama's goal-bound shot was deflected onto the bar by defender Kosuke Masutani. We barely saw the Gainari attack in the first half, although in the closing seconds, ex-Fukushima winger Ryosuke Tamona's well-struck 20-yard shot forced homekeeper Kaito Yamamoto into a diving save. In the second period, Totori were on the offensive, sub Hideyatsu Ozawa having a decent shout for a penalty when he tangled with Makoto Kawanish and Hiroki Higuchi. And just after the hour, Koki Ishii put it on a plate for Yu Okubo, who somehow screwed his shot wide of the target. Final score, Fukushima nil, Totori nil. Not a great deal of use to either side, although lowly Fukushima showed more attacking intent than in most of their games so far. By the same token, mid-table Gainare will regard this as two points dropped. Then on Sunday the 16th, J3 leaders from the previous weekend, Katare Toyama, were involved in a real humdinger at FC Imabari. Neither side have quite been firing on all cylinders so far, but they gave it a go here. Toyama opened the scoring in the 8th minute after a fluffed clearance by Imabari's Tatsuya Shirai. Veteran forward Shinta Takahashi's 30-yard shot was hardly unstoppable, but proved too much for stand-in keeper Tomahito Shugyo. The home side almost drew level straight away. Brilliant work down the left by Kazuya Ando, who sent in a low cross that visiting defender Ryusei Shimodo sliced onto the post, keeper Tomoki Tagawa gratefully grabbing the rebound. In the 11th minute, though, Imabari did indeed equalise. Yuta Mikado's outswinging corner headed in by Marcus Vinicius for his first of the season. 
but by the time 15 minutes was on the clock, Katane were back in front. Naoto Ando timing his run to perfection onto a long through pass and squaring it for Takahashi, who made no mistake with a close-range finish. This time the lead stood for 12 minutes before Toyama threw it away. Tagawa's attempt to play it out from the back, putting under pressure Hiroya Sueki, who stood on the ball and allowed Dudu to take possession, unselfishly feeding Marcus Vinicius to score from 13 yards. 2-2 it stood at half-time, but the action was not over. Tagawa producing a spectacular save to deny Imabari the lead from Ryota Ichihara's header. And the noisily enthusiastic home support got their reward with 14 minutes to go. Mikado's low free kick into the box, flicked on by Shidai for Marcus Vinicius, who turned and fired into the bottom right-hand corner for his hat-trick. Shugyo kept out a Yohei Ono header in injury time, and for Imabari, the points were won. Final score, Imabari 3, Toyama 2. The best performance of the season so far from Riki Takagi's side, who move up to 5th in the table. Katare dropped to 2nd. Only two teams in the division have conceded more, so it's easy to see where the problems lie for coach Michiharu Otagiri. A great game at Imabari then, but it was probably outdone by the extraordinary events at the Sunpro Alwyn Stadium, where unbeaten Matsumoto Yamaga took on Azul Claro Numazu. The hosts look to be putting together a promotion challenge while not always seeming convincing. The visitors have produced some energetic displays while finding goals hard to come by. An opportunity for three straightforward points for Yamaga? Well, they forced a tremendous early save from Azul Claro keeper Hiromu Musha, who dived to keep out Yusuke Kikui's shot after a brilliant interchange between Kikui and Kunitomo Suzuki. But it was Azul Claro who opened the scoring in the 15th minute. Tatsuya Anzai setting up Takumi Tsukui for a cross that Kenshiro Suzuki headed powerfully past Victor. Soon afterwards, the Spanish keeper produced a great save to keep it at 1-0, tipping over the bar Terukazu Shinozaki's header from a Kotaro Tokenaga corner kick. And Matsumoto then drew level, Ren Komatsu finding space between Anzai and Takuya Sugai to head in Itsuki Enomoto's deep cross. But within two minutes, Azul Klano were back in front, Hagami Wada chesting down a long ball for Tsukui, who terrorised Masato Tokida before returning it to Wada to finish on the line. 2-1 Numazu, a fine goal produced from nothing by two young players. Yamaga, however, equalised just before half-time through Enomoto's towering header, and it was 2-2 at the break. Fast forward to the last 10 minutes, and the home side took the lead for the first time. Yota Shimokawa's far post cross finished with an exquisitely placed header by left-back Ryuhei Yamamoto. Matsumoto were heading to the top of the table, but in the 86th minute, Azul Claro shocked the home fans by pulling level themselves. 
Shinozaki heading home, another corner by Tokunaga. And then, seconds later, Numazu keeper Mushat played a clever pass to substitute Yuma Modi, who cut inside past Taku Inafuku and fired a low shot that deflected off Paulinho and into the net. Deep in stoppage time, Takato Nonomura hit the post with a header as the home side tried desperately to rescue a point. Final score though in this incredible game, Matsumoto 3, Numazu 4, Masahiro Shimoda's Yamaga lose for the first time and slip to third. Azulclaro double their number of goals scored for the season to pull off a massive confidence-boosting victory. We're not only about the goals on JTalk Short Corner, we're also here to report the fact that climbing to fourth place level on points with Matsumoto are J-League newcomers Nana Club after their first home J-League win. Iwate Guruja Morioka with the visitors at the Roto Field Nana. A pretty quiet game all told this one. The hosts broke the deadlock on 65 minutes when Yuta Tsunami, making a run into the penalty area, turned Iwate's Ren Fujimura inside out before crossing low for Tatsuma Sakai to score unmarked from six yards. Iwate's best chance came seven minutes later. Jang Hyun Su's header from a Kaede Shinbo corner cleared off the line by Masataka Kani. Final score Nana 1 Iwate 0. Julian Madin Bazalo's team achieving ominously good results as far as the rest of the division is concerned. A sense that the forwards for Yoshike Matsubara's Gruja aren't always the toughest to play against, they drop to seventh. But we are, you know, kind of about the goals, which is why next up is the dramatic Kyushu derby between Kagoshima United and Tegevajano Miyazaki. Tegevajano came into the match having scored only twice in the six preceding games, but in this one went ahead inside the first minute. Rookie Kazuma Nagata picking up a sloppy pass from Kenta Hirose and curling a peach of a shot beyond homekeeper Kenta Matsuyama. Kagoshima swiftly moved on to the front foot in search of the equaliser. Jin Hanato first hitting the bar from outside the area and then forcing Shunsuke Ueda into a brilliant save with a well-placed header while Junki Goryo had a goal ruled out for offside. The one-way traffic continued into the second half, Shosei Okamoto having a shot cleared off the line by Nagata. But in the 54th minute, the home side finally broke Miyazaki's resistance, Hanato glancing in a shot from Mikuto Fukuda. The game then took an unexpected turn when on 63 minutes, the next goal was scored by Tegevajano. Masaki Ogawa's in-swinging corner headed home by Nagata, who soon afterwards completed his hat-trick, picking up possession on the counter-attack, making his way into the area and beating Matsuyama at his near post. 3-1 up at the home of their nearest rivals, 20 minutes to go, and Miyazaki were in dreamland. That 
was a feeling which lasted but five minutes. Kagoshima pulling one back when Kota Hoshi's overlapping run exposed the Tegevajano defence and Noriaki Fujimoto's flick set up Atsuki Satsukawa for a powerful finish from 10 yards. Then, in injury time, the smoking volcanoes equalised, saving the best of another thrilling game till last. Club legend Fujimoto hooking the ball on for teenage forward Seigo Take, who raced into the box and lashed it past Ueda. Final score, Kagoshima 3, Miyazaki 3. Naoto Otake's Kagoshima now down in 13th, and they are a work in progress, not the assured promotion challenges many had anticipated. Tegevajano coach Hiroshi Matsuda at least saw his team score some goals, but whether he can build on the performance is another question. After a quiet opening quarter of their game at FC Gifu, it was visiting FC Osaka who went in front from Kenta Nishia's delivery of a long free kick. The ball was headed back across goal by Keita Matsuda. Naoki Tanaka missed his shot, but it was scrambled over the line by Takumi Shimada for his fourth of the season. Gifu's chances of getting back on level terms were reduced on the hour, when a second yellow card was shown to right-back Ayumu Matsumoto for a studs-up challenge on Rui Tone. The home side came closest to an equaliser in injury time. Junior Tanaka's close-range shot headed clear by Matsuda. Final score, Gifu nil, Osaka 1. Yusaku Ueno hasn't found how to get the best from his Gifu squad, who continue to struggle for goals. Consecutive wins for Yoshigaki's Osaka and they move out of the bottom six. History was made, just about, in the match between Van Rane Hachinohe and YSCC Yokohama. Not that it was the windiest game of the year, although that may well be true, but for Nobuhiro Ishizaki's Hachinohe, it was their sixth unbeaten game in a row, a J-League record for the club. It was a very near thing though, as YSCC were heading for their first win of the season thanks to Shuntaro Koga's goal early in the second half, converting Lentor Tahara's cross after a good team move down the right. With the last kick of the game, however, Van Rane snatched an equaliser. Substitute Aoi Sato picking up a loose ball, cutting inside Tahara and curling in a shot from 20 yards. Final score, Hachinohe 1, YSCC 1. Far from the best Van Rane performance of their historic run. Sato shot the only real moment of quality. Heartbreak for YSCC, although they continue to improve with three draws in the last four games. Finally, the Shikoku derby between Kamatamari Sanuki and Ehime FC also ended level. Not much to choose between the teams, which surely indicates how much Sanuki have improved under Atsushi Yoneyama. Ehime's best chance came in the 16th minute when top scorer Riki Matsuda headed Ryo Sato's cross onto the post. Takumi Sasaki's follow-up blocked bravely by keeper Takuya Takahashi. 
Kamatamare went closest early in the second half, a snapshot from rookie Shunji Takemura that stand-in keeper Shugo Tsuji knew little about, except it hit him and it didn't go in. Final score, Sanaki nil, Ehime nil. The Noodle Boys' winning run of home games comes to an end, but they remain a very respectable eighth in the table. Ehime unbeaten since the opening day, in sixth and in contention. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round seven. The top six are Nagano with 14 points, Toyama with 13, Matsumoto, Nara, Imabari and Ehime all with 12. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are from 15th downwards, Gifu with 8 points, Miyazaki with 6 Kirakushu, Sagamihana and Fukushima all with five and bottom of the pile with three, YSCC. Over this coming weekend there's a break in the league schedule. While some J3 sides get time off from competitive football, eight will be taking part in knockout tournaments, the winners of which represent their home prefectures in the Emperor's Cup. Depending on how prefectural football associations organise their competitions, J3 clubs are first tracked to either the semi-finals or finals. Playing in semi-final ties then on Saturday the 22nd of April are Ehime against Hisaeda FC and Imabari against Lebeni Rosso NC. Then on Sunday the 23rd, more semi-finals. Current leaders Nagano against Matsumoto University, FC Osaka against Osaka Gakuin University, Sagamihana against Kanagawa University and YSCC against Toho Titanium. Playing in finals on the same day and therefore competing directly for places in the Emperor's Cup first round are Totori against Yonago Genki SC and Kidakushu against Fukuoka University. I'll report on the results of these games in the next episode. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say, thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now. 